As I was thinking about this morning, and I originally had this thought, and I was like, oh, we're going to go for it. I want a band. I want a horn section. I want piano. I want drums. I want a choir. I want 18 people singing their hearts out. I want sweat dripping. I want one song to go 15 minutes long. I want to be in this, like, you know, which we might still do at some point. Um, But then I was thinking about it, and I was thinking about the stories that I want to share this morning about uh, the people that I want to talk about this morning, about the history that we want to showcase this morning. And I was thinking about how beautiful it is that literally the legacy is about taking literally and creating something from nothing, from literally nothing, just from the thin air, from no reason to celebrate, and we're celebrating from no reason to sing, and we're singing no reason to have joy, and we have it. Um, and so everything this morning that we do is going to be a cappella. Everything that we do this morning is going to remind us of the simplest form of these truths that we're talking about. So this first thing that, song that we're going to sing and hear this morning is a song called Lift Every Voice and Sing. Has anyone heard of it? Woo! Yes. Also, uh, this song is known as the Black National Anthem. Now, me just saying that right now, how many people just found out that there's a Black National Anthem? It's okay. You don't have to raise it. Yeah, that's an actual, yeah. Um, But this is a song that uh, is very important to the history of black people in this country that is sang at the beginning of special occasions or sang at the beginning of a lot of marches. It was uh, first sang in public by 500 children in front of a segregated school during the Jim Crow era. Um, And it's a very important song to this history and this legacy. And so I want to open us with it today. I want to set the tone for why we're doing everything a cappella, and then we'll have some conversations and keep going. Does that sound good? Yes. Also, these are my friends, Keisha and David. They are going to lead us through all the music this morning. Can we just make some noise for them? Yeah. Lift every voice and sing Till earth and heaven ring Ring with the harmonies of Rejoicing, rise high as the listening skies. Let it resound loud as the rolling sea. Sing a song full of the faith that the dark past has brought us. Sing a song full of the hope that the present has brought us. Facing the rising sun of our new day begun. Let us march on till victory is won. Stony the road we trod, bitter the chastening rod, felt in the day that 
unborn had died, yet with a steady beat have not our weary Come to the place on which our Father sighed. We have come over a way that with tears have been watered. We Through the blood of the slaughtered Out from the gloomy past Till now we stand at last Where the white gleam of our star's One last verse, God. God of our weary years, God of our silent tears, Thou who has brought us thus far on the way, Thou who has To the light, keep us forever in the path we pray. Lest our feet stray from the places of God where we met thee. Lest our hearts drunk with the wine of the world we forget thee, shadow beneath the hand, may we forever stand true to our God. True to our native land. Oh, I'm so excited for this morning. Um, so we're going to have some discussion. So you're going to grab three or four people around you and answer this question. What part of your life are you most proud of? Grab three or four people around you and answer this question. So a few years ago, as in probably like literally two years ago, Corey recommended this book to me. Um, and so naturally, I started reading it last month. And, um, and it's actually really good. Um, but 
because it's Corey, okay, of course this book is, like, literally about the creation of the universe. So, like, Big Bang, atoms, like, helium, cooling, heating, like, why, how the world got here, what we're doing, how fast it's spinning, where it's spinning to, how many other things are spinning around it, okay? Um, and one Sunday, it was probably like a year and a half ago, I don't, it was so long ago, Corey was preaching, and he got on stage, and he gave an entire history of the universe divided by a billion. And it took like 10 minutes, and I literally was like, why, what is this? Why would he... <laughs> I don't know what's happening. What does this even mean? Why would we be talking about this? But I was like, yeah, you got it, man. You know, because that's the kind of relationship we have. We're just endless encouragement. I'm like, yeah, no, I like the timeline. I liked it. I didn't understand it per se, but I liked it. Um, I have literally made fun of him for that for, like, since it happened. And then I was going on a trip, and like, I didn't have a book to read. So I was like, oh, looking at my bookshelf. I was like, oh, I never read that book from two years ago um, when Corey told me to read it. And I'll bring it with me. And my mind was blown. And then I got to the part where he does the timeline of the universe divided by a billion. And I was like, whoa. Like, I text him. <laughs> I text Corey a picture of it. I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, I know. I'm like, man, I mean, I just wasn't ready. I don't know if I wasn't ready or I didn't get it, but for sure, like, it really meant something to me. So I'm not going to do the timeline again, um, particularly because I don't actually know the details. It was impressive when I was reading it, but I couldn't, like, tell you. I know that somehow we got here, and it's very, very important. So, um, <laughs> but what's been fascinating about reading this book is, like, understanding the astronomical odds that like of all the things that had to be in place for our universe to exist like it's literally wild to think about it like kind of unsettling like I don't think about it for too long because it will weird me out that like we're currently spinning outward into we don't know what okay is like and I want to know that but I also don't want to know that like you know so I read this book and I'm like this is wild. Like so many, I keep, like so many, there's one little thing. It's like if it would have been two degrees hotter, none of this would be here. You're like, whoa, what? Right? So perfect temperatures, all these things. And it feels so fragile. Like reading about the universe from that standpoint, from where it started, it all feels so fragile. Like I can't even believe it, right? And then here we are in 2020, just like throwing plastic straws in the ocean like it's money, right? We're like, we know this thing will make it. We'll survive. I don't know, right? Um, and then we're watching as like our, our world and our earth is trying to figure out how it's like I started seeing like the universe or this planet in particular as something that started so fragile from something so small and had to grow this resilience because of all the things that it had encountered, right? So like mainly us, <laughs> um, but it's okay. Uh, we're fixing it, right? Everybody? No straws. No plastic bags. Um, bring your own cup. Okay. <clears throat> but now it feels like this, like, tough thing. And so I'm reading this book, and it's blowing my mind. And at the same time, I'm reading this other book. There's this other book called Stamped from the Beginning. And that book's subtitle is A Definitive History of Racist Ideas in America. Different, okay? It's different than the universe book. Um... But similarly, 
I'm reading this history in this narrative, and it's talking about people and our ideas and the way we begin to classify people and the way we begin to talk about those classified people and the way we begin to treat those classified people. And how this thing that started off so fragile and beautiful and small and precious has had to grow an incredible amount of resiliency because of the things that it has encountered. So I'm starting to see all these connections, and I'm, I'm realizing that our stories, even though we say this every week, are way more connected than we even know. Connected to the air we breathe, to the universe we stand on, to the planet we're in, to the people around us, to everything, right? And so this book, uh, Stand From the Beginning, as I'm reading it, I'm realizing, and I'm reading these stories about, in particularly, black people and their first encounters with life in this country, And the writer of the universe book talks about the creation. He says it had to have Goldilocks conditions. Like everything had to be like not too hot, not too cold, just right, not too soft, not too hard, right? It's perfect like for us to be here. And everything about the other book is like reminding me that since arrival on this country, black people have had the opposite of Goldilocks-like conditions, right? It was not awesome to be on the first ship in 1619 that got here. But yet... Here we are, right? And so a few um, months ago, I was on this stage in this room, and I got to preach a sermon about Philippians 4.13, right? And in case you don't know what that is, it's I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? Anyone? Big fan? Okay. Both teams going into the Super Bowl are currently praying that as we speak. That is... That verse is most commonly known as the athletic verse, is what I call it. Every athlete is like, I can do this. But I got to have a conversation. We got to talk about the nuance and what comes after that passage where it says, I've learned how to be in, um, in need. I've learned how to have abundance. I've learned how to be in lack. I've learned how to have more joy, sadness, success, failure. I've learned how to be all these things and find contentment. Therefore, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not that everything will be a win. It's that in everything, are we able to see the resilience and the strength and the things that we can go to God and cry out for? It's as if I was realizing that the story of black people in this country that mirrors, I think, so many of our stories is that you come into the world, you come into a situation, something happens. It is not Goldilocks-like conditions. It is not perfect. It is not easy. It is not right. It is not fair. It is not just. It is not okay. And yet here you are. And yet here you are in a church on a Sunday morning. And yet here black people are still thriving and getting salaried internships and job offers, okay? That how do we reframe our idea of success or Christianity? It is mind-blowing to me. That black people have so much faith. Because I'm like, how? (laughs) I'd have been one day like, "Mm -mm, mm-mm, this God ain't it, right? But it's a reframing to say, believing in God, trusting God, knowing that there was a trajectory and a plan and there was a person named Jesus who showed us what it looks like to um, fight for people to have a seat at the table and it didn't always work and everything isn't right and some people still don't have a seat at the table and that doesn't mean that the whole thing is wrong. That means that we now have to shift our understanding of how we participate in that thing. And it's been so beautiful to reframe that in my own mind because I still have this messed up evangelical narrative that there's a way to live life and there's a way to quote scripture and there's a way to show up at church and pray and then nothing will be hard. 
when I realized that I come from a long, long, long line of people who prayed and went to church and prayed and went to church and believed in God and hoped and believed in God and hoped and things weren't okay. And that didn't change that for them. And I think we have so much to learn from that. The spiritual resiliency that we have seen from this community in our country says a lot. It says that maybe my belief in God in this thing, maybe my belief in this upside-down gospel reality isn't based off of my life going well or being easy. Which, just a reminder, Jesus, right? I think there's something about us that still wants that narrative to be true. That if I'm going to fight for justice, if I'm going to unpack my own trauma, if I'm going to go to church, if I'm going to believe in this thing, then I better have some kind of payoff, right? It better work. But what does it look like to, to believe truly like I can do all things through Christ and that means I can do all the things even when my life doesn't reflect what I believe is true or right or just or good? That my life can reflect those things even when everything against me, everything around me feels like it's against me. Even when I'm in a world around people who constantly want to put me down and put me down and put me down and put me down, how do I not dehumanize them? How do I stay true to this thing that I believe not because it makes me happy, not because I only get good things or I get rich and I give 10% of my money so that I could get 10% more, right? How do I just believe in it? What is it like to be in that space? I think we all know what it's like to be in the lasers and the lights and the fog machine and be like, yes, <laughs> you died for me so I could be happy, right? <clears throat> but I think the truer thing is that most of, us, most of us in the room have experience is what it feels like to be in a room when nothing's going right and we don't know how to fix it and it doesn't seem like it's going to get fixed and the problem's way too big to solve, and we don't know where God is in it, and we don't know what to do about it, and it doesn't seem to get getting better, and people have been fighting for 400 years or 1,000 years, or your family's been fighting since you were born, or whatever the case, and then not know what to do with that. Right? It's a very different feeling. David's going to sing this song, this next song. As he sings it, I want us to think about those moments. How we encounter God, not because things are going well. How we believe that we can do all things through Christ, not because everything's perfect, but how we believe we can do the hard things and that doing the hard things or the right things or the good things doesn't make them easy. It just makes them true. And how do we cry out to God and encounter God in those moments? Test me not, oh gentle thing. Hear my humble cry While on others thou art calling Do not pass me I'm Saint Savior, Savior, hear 
most in the world and in history is the civil rights movement in our country. I love taking people to the South, leading trips. I love learning about it. Um, it's such an important movement in our history. It's, it birthed some of the most amazing leaders our country has ever seen. And what's heartbreaking to think about sometimes is the leaders of those in that movement and the people of those movement not getting to see the change that was implemented for their part and their role in things. What's heartbreaking still is living in a place where we feel the repercussions of things that have not yet changed, even given their sacrifice in the movement and things, right? You have, I think about this all the time. We talk about Martin Luther King Jr., and I feel like sometimes we forget that he was assassinated in the middle of this thing. We talk about him as if he was like giving that I have a dream speech, giving that mountaintop speech, and everything had been magically changed, and all of a sudden that just opened up a whole new world. He died before he saw those things, as did so many leaders in that movement. And here's what's wild, is that we talk all in here all the time about the role of Jesus in confronting oppression. We say the beautiful thing about Jesus is he was able to confront oppression without becoming an oppressor. Confront violence without giving violence in return. And we have this full legacy of these people who did these things in our country. They fought violence without giving violence in return. They fought oppression without becoming an oppressor. They went time and time and time again and got beat down, got milkshakes spilled on them, got their hair pulled, got fire hoses squirted on them, and they stood back up. They stood back up and they did it again and again and again. And some of them didn't make it to where we are now. Some of them make it past the movement. And where we are now isn't even where we need to be. So why didn't they give up? I think that all the time. Why didn't they give up? Why don't I give up? Why haven't we given up? At some point, you have to actually believe in it. You have to actually believe in it, and you have to know that you may not be able to see the full fruition of whatever it is that you're working for, but you have to believe in it. And when shit gets hard, you have to stand back up. This is what I know to be true. There's a, a writer, Octavia Butler. She's a black science fiction writer. She's incredible. And she tells a story, and she says, our lives 
Our lives should be lived as if we are planting seeds for trees that we will never sit under. We are planting trees for seeds that we will never sit under. I'm only standing here in front of you because of people that stood back up when they got pushed down. So what do I need to do then stand back up? I'm only standing here in front of you because people actually believed in this. They actually believed in it. They believe that, yes, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it does bend towards justice. I don't know if I'm going to see it with you, MLK said, but I'm still going to fight for it. I may not make it there with you, but I'm still going to fight for it. I'm planting the seeds that's true. I won't be able to sit under it, but I believe that one day it's going to grow. And that is a hard reality for us in L.A. in 2020. To say that you keep doing something even when it doesn't work and it doesn't work and you stand back up and you stand back up. We have so much to learn from the resiliency of the people who were involved in that movement. We have so much to learn from their unshakable faith that one day it would work and that one day they might not see. And a lot of them didn't. Do we have that same unshakable faith in the things that we believe? Can we, time and time and time again, not once, not twice, not three times, continually fight oppression without becoming oppressive? Can we, time and time and time again, although we are tempted, can we not hurt people in the same way that we have been hurt? Can we, time and time and time again, not return violence for violence? Can we not dehumanize people because we have been dehumanized? Again and again and again. I remember in college I got in an argument with someone because I was like, I'm a pacifist, and, um, which everyone is at some point in college. And then <laughs> and they said, so you're just gonna be, you just think we should be passive and everything? No, not passivist, pacifist. Um, but... There's this idea that it's not strong or bold or going to work if we don't repay violence with violence. That the people with the loud microphones yelling and dehumanizing other people, sometimes it feels tempting to think that maybe they won't listen to us unless we dehumanize them right back. That the people in our world, in our life, in our families who have hurt us, sometimes it feels like they won't know how that felt unless we hurt them in the same way. And I'm not saying that we don't need to confront oppression or oppressive systems or violence or all of these things, but how do we do it with the integrity of not doing to people what they did to us? That doesn't mean we sit by and we don't do anything. And that's the legacy that we get to learn from the civil rights movement. They just didn't get to say, like, oh, maybe everything should be segregated. But no, I'm going to go in here and I'm going to sit. And I'm going to sit down. And though they may dehumanize me, I will not dehumanize them. And though they may drag me out of here, I'm not going to drag them back. And though they may say these things about, that, about me, I'm going to continually use my voice for justice and hope and say what I believe to be true. Yes, confront the hell out of those systems. But you have to do it in a way that's not going to drag you down and turn you into the very thing you started fighting in the first place. And that is the hardest thing to do. And that's not something we do one time. That's something we do again and again and again. You have to stand back up. And you have to say, mm, I want to say to her. <laughs> I, do you, listen, this isn't, this isn't a part of the thing, but 
There are some people in our life, okay, just don't raise your hand, don't raise your hand. Do you have someone in your life and you know, like, the speech you could give that would, like, you know, like, just cut, I mean, you know where you could just get them. And every time you talk to them on the phone, you're like, man, I want to do it. I want to do it. I'm not going to because I'm a Christian, okay? (laughs) I think there's the strength... The strength that comes and gives us the ability to stand back up and stand back up and stand back up, to speak for justice and hope and truth and love, to keep becoming the kind of people that we want to be, to confront our own trauma, to confront our own violence, to confront our own oppression. Some of that strength for the people, right, if you're in this room, comes from your belief that this thing is true and real. The, the faith of the people in this movement, the faith that I've seen in the people in my own life who have continued to push me towards this, it's really hard to keep doing that. So you have to actually believe that something's coming. Whether that's the something you want or not, whether that's big or little, whether it's going to look different, whether you're going to make it, I don't know, but you have to believe that's true. And so much of the words and even the songs that we're going to sing next They come from that deep well, that place of knowing that they believe, that they believe, that they believe that this thing is true. You have to find that place. And if we don't find that place, I think we know what happens. We become the very thing that we started fighting in the first place. Everyone knows what it's like, like after you turn 30, to like a sentence comes out of your mouth and you're like, am I my mother? (laughs) What just happened, right? But if we're not tied to something that we know deep in our bones is true and real and right and good, then it will get incredibly hard to keep standing back up. It will be incredibly hard to keep taking things on without being like, you know what, Donald Trump? Okay, didn't want to get personal, right? But that's how I feel. Do you know how hard it is sometimes for me to see humanity in our president, and I keep trying, and I keep trying, and I keep trying, because what I don't want to do is become the very thing that I'm mad at him for being. And it's so tempting. Sometimes I'm like, make it a little harder for me, please, you know? (laughs) But I gotta be doing it because of what I believe about the world. What I believe about the world deep in my bones, although it's hard to practice sometimes, is that that is a child of God. And that doesn't mean that I don't confront the systems. That doesn't mean that I don't protest and rally and use my voice however I can and use my resources however I can and fight and do all of these things. It just means I don't get to dehumanize them because of it. And believing in that change is going to cause us to be involved in some things that we're never going to be able to experience. We have to believe in them that much. Every day I wake up, I think about the people who believed in me enough to stand back up and never knew who I was. And I ask myself, okay, well, why do I need to do it? Planting seeds for trees I'll never sit under that I still, need think, still think need to be in the world. So these next few songs uh, we're going to hear are about that. And I just want you to think, 
Think about that truth that you know deep in your bones. Think about that thing that you know to be true. Think about that thing that even though you want to, makes it hard for you to dehumanize someone, makes it hard for you to to want to hurt people in the way you've been hurt, makes it hard. Think about that thing that makes you want to plant seeds and trees and never sit under. What are those trees? Who are those people who will sit under there? How do you get the strength to do that? That's what I want us to think about as we listen to these next few songs. I was born by the river in a little tent. Mm -hmm. Oh, just like that river I've been running ever since. It's been a long, long time coming, but I know change gonna come yes it will it's been too hard living but I'm afraid to die cause I don't know what's up there beyond the sky It's been a long, 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 long time coming, but I know a change gonna come. Yes, it will. I go to the movies and I go Somebody keep telling me, don't hang around. It's been a long, 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 long time coming. But I know change gonna come. Yeah, yes, it will. Then I go to my brother And I say, brother, help me please But he winds up knocking me Back down, back down on my knees, I'm saying, please, there's been times I thought, I thought I could last too long, but now I think I'm able to carry on. It's been a long, 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 long time coming, but I know a change gonna come. Yes, it will. It's been a long, long time coming, 
But I know change gonna come. Yes, it will. against the wall and I feel our hope is gone I'll just lift my head up to the sky and say help me to be strong and I just can't give up now come too far from where I Started from, yeah. Nobody told me the road would be easy, and I don't believe he's brought me this far. Sing with me. I don't believe he's brought me this far. Sing it out. I don't believe he's brought me this far. Yeah, I don't believe he's brought me this. 
Yeah, I don't believe he's brought me this. Sing good. I don't believe he's brought me this. Yeah, I don't believe he's brought me this far to leave me. So I want to share a story with you all as we, as we bring this thing down. A story I think I've shared in here before. I've shared it a lot because it's one of the most impactful things that's ever happened to me. This is something I encountered when I was in the South on a trip leading a group of people on a civil rights tour. And we were in Jackson, Mississippi, and there was a museum that had a new exhibit. And so I'm leading this group of people into this new exhibit, and the exhibit was designed to show the journey of what it was like for someone who first came over on a slave ship to the United States. The journey started all the way on the continent of Africa, and then it meant to mimic everything that you would experience before you ended up on an auction block in the American South. And part of the exhibit was a full-scaled slave ship that you had to walk through, it had models of the ways that the bodies would be in there, stacked on one another. And although I was leading the trip, I couldn't make it through that part of the exhibit. I had to turn around and then go and meet the team on the other side. And then the woman who was giving us the tour, the woman at the museum, was this beautiful, beautiful, dark-skinned woman. She had so much light and life in her eyes. She's giving us this tour, and she's telling us about what would have happened on the ship and how many lives might have been lost to disease, to violence, to hopelessness, jumping off the side, not knowing where they were going. Then she talked about arriving and how many lives would be lost because they just didn't meet the standards of what people were looking for in a slave. And then she talked about how many lives would be lost in protesting on the way to get there. And then she talked about how they would be stripped down, they would stand on the auction block, and then they would be appraised. And we have gone on this whole journey, and we've been on this entire trip, and we've been seeing all these things. And now we have this woman who just described one of the hardest things I've ever had to listen to. And she stands there at the end of the exhibit. She's standing there like this, and she's talking about everything that would have happened and how many lives would have been lost. And now she's saying that someone is stripped down, they're naked, they're being appraised like property. And she said, can you even imagine... And before she finished, I finished the sentence for her because I said, can you imagine the shame? Can you imagine the anger? Can you imagine the hate? And I'm reeling with all of these things, all of these things that if I'm honest, those were feelings I felt when I really dug deep into black history and what it felt like to be a black person in this country. Sometimes I felt shame and anger and hate. Those are the feelings that came up when I learned about these things. As I'm listening to her tell about these things, I just feel shame and anger and hate. And I'm watching this woman give a tour, and this is the moment where she was able to shift the entire narrative for me. After she's telling us a story, and she stood on the block, and she said, can you imagine? And although I had filled in the story for her, and I said, can you imagine shame, anger, and hate? She said, can you imagine the strength that it took to even get this far? And she said, that's the blood that runs in my veins, and that's why I'm a proud black woman. After I stopped sobbing, I thanked her. 
I thanked her because although I can look at a story and you can look at a story, whatever it is, and see anger, shame, and hate, that very same story means you are still here, which means that blood runs in your veins, which means you should be proud. If we have anything to learn from black history, it's that kind of resilience. If you see a black woman, you just already know, right? Just the, the confidence, the stature, the way we stand and carry ourselves. It's because we're able to reframe and say, yes, they tried to get us and it didn't work. They tried to bring us down and we didn't stay down. They tried to put us in a box. We couldn't stay in that box. That doesn't make us angry, shameful, or hateful. That makes us damn proud. And if we are going to take that into our own lives, I know every single person in here has a part of your story that makes you feel shame or anger or hatred. And on this Sunday, if we get to take anything away from this history and these people that mean so much to me and this blood that runs in my veins, it's that. Don't hang your head down because you've been through shit. Hold it high because you're still here. That didn't make you weak. That made you strong. Every single thing you've been through, the fact that you're still here means you are strong, means that you deserve to feel proud of that. It may have not went the way you wanted. It may have not been fair or just or right, but you should be proud for making it this far. I could talk about black people forever, but I'm going to have Keisha and David come back up here. I'm going to ask us all to stand. Among the many things that I love about being a part of this community, about being a, a part of New Abbey, about being a black person in this country, about being a part of the queer community. It's that there is still always this unshakable faith that even if things aren't okay, I think they will be. I don't know how or when. That resiliency keeps us going. There's an extreme sense of pride in these communities. Because no, it hasn't been easy, but I'm still here. And that's beautiful. So we're going to sing one more song, but I want us to sing it together. This is a song that has meant so much um, in black history. But I think it has a lot to speak to us today in our own individual lives. Whatever that story is in your life that brings shame and anger or hate or whatever, can we transform it into pride? Can we have a moment to realize how strong every single person is in this room? So they're going to lead us in a song. And because this is church, I'm going to ask you to hold hands with somebody around you. And we're going to sing this last song together. We shall overcome. We shall overcome. We shall overcome.
Let's sing one more time. Sing it loudly. And we shall overcome. We shall overcome. We shall overcome. Thank you for, <clears throat> like we say in here all the time, thank you that we didn't have to invite you into this place that you were already here. Thank you for all the places in our life that you already are. God, thank you for this experience we got to have together. God, thank you for the person of Jesus that we get to do our best and follow for the people in our history, in our lives, who have given that same example, God, may we have the strength to stand back up and back up and back up. Though it may be hard, though it may be unfair, though it may be unjust, may we be people who still stand for fairness and justice and hope and love and peace. Though we may not see it, may we be people who plant seeds for trees we won't sit under, God. Can we remember that there are people before us and after us and that our connection to them is another reason to stand back up and stand back up and stand back up? God, we love you. We see all this in your son's name. Party's over. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening to the New Abbey podcast. For more information, visit us on the web at www.newabbey.org.